Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, and I'm reading from the NLT version, which kind of has become one of my favorite translations of the Bible because it's just kind of very current and makes a lot more sense to me. And I don't know what kind of version you read. Hopefully it's English, but it says this in my Bible. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen worlds against uh, mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Another version says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities and the powers of the air. No, we're not preaching about transformers tonight, but we're talking about how to not fight fair. You ready for this? Let me pray and we're going to jump in together. Jesus, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you, Lord, that we get to hang out with one another. We thank you that, Lord, that there is AC in the room tonight. And uh, so we want to be cool on the outside, but we want to be hot on the inside. Father, thank you for our missions team that is hopefully sleeping by now. But, Lord, keep us awake in this room. Father, I pray that your word would come, that you would give us faith to hear the word of God. Father, more than entertainment tonight, I pray that there would be an impartation of your word into every heart. People that are bummed out and discouraged. Uh, Father, I pray that even tonight you would come and that you would encourage us. Father, for those of us who are a bit lukewarm and a little passive, a little lazy in our walk and our journey with you, God, I pray that even tonight you would turn up the heat. Father, that there would be a militant anointing upon us that we would leave different than the way we came in tonight. Father, I pray more above everything else, Lord Jesus, that you'd be lifted up, that you would be that you'd be glorified here. Lord, all the honor and credit goes to you. We bless you in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said. So after going out to San Francisco to kind of help a brother out with some, some airline tickets, I, uh, I had my, my young son who had just happened to turn five years uh, old yesterday. Jaden turned five. And, uh, and for, for several weeks, we've been talking about watching Transformers 3 together. So instead of watching it when, when it first came out, we waited for his birthday. And then I took him to the Metreon in San Francisco to watch it on the huge screen, 3D style. And it, I, I just about broke the bank because it's three times more expensive to watch it there than than the uh, Brennan Theaters here. So we went there, and uh, we had good times, and he sat down, and he put on his 3D glasses, and I said, are you excited? And he's like, mm-hmm. And then the movie starts, and moments later he says, Dad, just want to let you know, Optimus Prime, he might get hurt, but he never dies. I said, what? Yeah. Optimus Prime won't die. I said, how do you know, son? Because he's the main hero. It's like, dude's five years old and you already figured out that the main hero never dies except in Braveheart. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he's five and he already understood and we're watching the movies and someone said that, dude, this movie is almost like three hours long, but it's filled with action and activity and fighting and slight porn. <laughs> Some of the guys like, (laughs) I love youth ministry, man. It just keeps things fresh. I love it. Love it. (laughs) You know, it's like, they, they, you know, they start the movie like, you know, it's like people dressed in very little clothing at all. Why do they got to do that? You know what I'm saying? Put on your seven for all mankind jeans and like, you know, come on, get to work. You know, but uh, so anyway, so there's a lot of like fighting and different things going on and all throughout the movie. Um, and by the way, when they're like showing risque scenes, and I'm just looking at my son, at one point he goes, the, the, the two are getting ready to kiss, you know, and, and he goes, uh-oh, dad. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks away, I'm like, that's a good boy. 
That's right. That's nasty, dude. And uh, but the, the fight scenes, man, he was glued. And he's, so, man, we leave the movie theater. He is kicking every tree on the way back to the parking lot. Every and slapping the trees. I'm like, dude, knock it off. Jaden, don't run into the street, you know, and he's kicking the trees. And uh, we get into the car. He's like, he's like transforming in the car. And as, as we're traveling back over the Bay Bridge, he sees these imaginary transformer uh, Decepticons flying. He's turning around. He's a warrior. And so traveling on the way back, he says, Dad, when I grow up, I'm going to be a mighty warrior. And I said, that's right, son, you are. How does that connect with this message? <laughs> it doesn't connect hardly at all, except that I'm talking about fighting tonight, so I want to just throw that in there and just splash it in there. When it comes to your walk in life, someone might have introduced you to Jesus a while back and says, yeah, if you invite Jesus into your heart, all of your problems will go away. They lied to you right then and there. <laughs> because when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to your walk with Jesus, the difference is that either way there's a fight, but now you've got the main guy, the main hero, the Optimus Prime of all eternity on your side. He died once, but he came back. Before Optimus died in Transformers 1 or 2, whichever one it was, Jesus died and he was raised three days later and uh, he continues to live and he will never die again. And, and you embarked on a battle is actually what it is. And yet I kind of like, you know, we live in California where, you know, we got a lot of like blue colored, you know, districts and a lot of liberals who hate war. And, uh, and I, I'm down for uh, uh, keeping peace. But, man, someone has to put up a fight in, in order to protect our liberty. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I'm down for fighting terrorists and I'm down for fighting enemies who would try to come and intrude. When it comes to your Christian walk, there's a fight that goes on all the time. But I look around, and even after months of being out of youth ministry, I come back into this youth ministry with my wife, and we're looking. And some of you guys, you've just been getting the beat down lately. You come, and I'm happy that you're here, but man, the enemy has been just kicking your behind a little bit. And you're coming here because perhaps you have to because a parent or somebody drug you out here. Uh, and I'm not sure how you survive, but you're here. Well, tonight I'm hoping that there's going to be some kind of like an impartation that, that's going to kind of get you back on your feet to say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up a fight. See, the devil doesn't, he doesn't fear you at all, but he should. The devil, he's not intimidated by you, but he should. Because if there is legitimately a Jesus who lives inside of you, the devil is hell of scared of him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, literally speaking, because that's where he's going. And, uh, but yet, if there's not enough Jesus in you, then you're not a threat to him. Now, w when, I was, when I was a little younger, I had a little sister who was about five years younger than me, and that's exactly what she was, five years younger than me. And my older siblings, they were all about 10 years older. So there was kind of like this generational gap. And I didn't have a little brother to pick on, so guess what I did? I picked on my sister. Back then, uh, our parents, my family, we were poor. Everyone else had TVs with remote controls, and I did as well. But my remote control, her name was Leanne, because I had one of them analog uh, TVs that turned like this. Click, 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 click. I didn't have the little remotes. So whenever I wanted to change from one sports channel to another, I said, Leanne, channel four, now. Huh. So she'd go up there, and, click, 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 and, and that was my remote. You know what I'm saying? You know that that is old school, centennial style for sure. And some of the old people in the room know what I'm talking about, right? And, and, and then my, my, my little sister, man, she would get on my nerves. Uh, now we love each other. We do. And uh, we love each other. She's great and all that. I live here in North America. She lives down there in South America, and it's just a wonderful thing. 
Oh, geez, and she might be listening to this, but uh, no, we get along. And but back in the day, we didn't get along a whole a whole lot, and uh, and we would fight. And uh, one time, I was I was sleeping. I was sound asleep. It's about two o'clock in the morning, and my dad turns on the light with a bell, and he says, "Get out of your bed." I said, huh, "What? You're not dreaming. You're going to get a whooping." And I said, "Oh, what?" And I'm trying to wake up, and. What had happened was my little sister had been having some nightmares that I had been provoking her and, like, beating her up. So she starts talking in her sleep. No, don't, Mom, She's crying and stuff, and she's dreaming. My dad thinks it's the real deal. He comes downstairs, and he's going to beat the tar out of me. And he's a preacher. <laughs> Crazy. And, uh, and it was just a dream. But we just had, like, this bond between the two of us. It was just awesome. And at home, we would fight against each other. But out in the streets, we were like a unit. You talk about my sister, you're messing with me. You know what I'm saying? And we were just tied that way. And, uh, but sometimes when we would wrestle at home, and again, I'm older than she is, and uh, we'd start wrestling, and I'd always pin her down. And, and, and my mom would say, John, John, stop fighting your sister. It's not fair. You're way bigger than she is. I said, but, but if we were the same size, would it be fair? She's like, probably. So I'd get on my knees. Come on, Leanne, give me your best shot. And, and we'd fight and stuff. And but it wasn't fair. Then on, on the flip side to that, I had a cousin who was a few years older than me, and his name was Troy. Troy was a big, bad boy. You thought Josh was strong? Troy was like Josh on steroids strong. <laughs> Troy was, was like six foot five, six foot six, 360 pounds strong. The dude was like, he had a big old huge mohawk. The dude was huge, and it's like, ah. Oh. And uh, like all guys, we want to go Braveheart status. And, and uh, so we'd want to fight and, you know, wrestle and stuff. And just fighting Troy one-on-one -on -one was never fair. So we'd have to team up, not two against one, not three against one. It took about four of us just to hold one leg. You know what I'm saying? So we get all of us guys that were a little bit younger, and we would wrestle him. And it's like David and his buddies against Goliath. And Troy would always win. And he's only 14, you know. And it's kind of crazy that way. When you fight someone, it's, it should be fair. But when you fight the devil, it should never be fair. Either way, if you let your guards down, it's not fair because he's going to have the upper hand. But if you, if you change your tactics just a little bit, then it's not fair on him. And he won't want to fight. And I'm going to show you why in a couple, couple minutes here. If you're taking notes, I want you to just jot these, these thoughts down real quick. I don't know what inspired me. I'm, I'm hoping it's the Holy Spirit. It could have been Delta influencing me yesterday just a little bit, <laughs> learning how to be aggressive and put up a good fight. <laughs> Amen. I'm not sure, but I'm believing it's the Holy Spirit that wants to come and just encourage us a little bit tonight. Is that right, Kevin? Preach with me, buddy. Someone said hallelujah. Was that you, Kevin? <laughs> Couldn't hear you behind your hair. Was that you? Praise the Lord. Just kidding. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm really jealous of your hair. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Four things that I refuse to give the devil. I want you to just write those things down. Four things that I refuse to give the devil. Four things. I suppose we could come up with a list of like 25 things or maybe a 1,000 things. I don't know. But I'm just going to give you four, and they're, they're going to be like the icebergs because you look beneath, and there's like many, many more things and thoughts beneath them. But I'm going to give you four. Is that all right? Four things that I refuse to give the devil. Number one, my wife. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't give her. I won't give him my wife either. But <laughs> this is what it says in 2 Corinthians. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians 2, um, verses 10 and 11. Look, look at what it says. It says, 
This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth, and he's talking to the brothers there, and he says, when you forgive this man, what, what man is he talking about? Like, dude, this, this man was like one horny, crazy, rated R dude is who this guy was. This good, the, the good, he was a good. This dude was like crazy, and uh, it's like, like he had a stepmom, and he got like he, he was cheating on his dad with his stepmom. What? Like, dude, that's that's really weird. That's like worse than like mid-afternoon soap operas, isn't it? It's kind of like this dude was like having like all kinds of crazy sexual relationships with this girl, this gal that was his stepmom. That's just really bizarre. So that the story with this guy, he'd been kind of kicked out of church and so on and so forth. But eventually the guy repented and came back. So Paul hears about it again and he says, listen, so uh, when you forgive this one man, I, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. And then he goes on to make this statement right here. And he says, so that Satan will not outsmart us. Another version, the NIV, I think it says that Satan may not outwit us, outthink us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. We know that brothers gain, is what he's saying. He says, if you guys have chosen to forgive this pervert, I mean this knucklehead, you forgive him, then you know what? I choose to forgive him as well because I know something. If I don't forgive this knucklehead, now I'm giving the enemy the upper hand. Why? Because Jesus has said, forgive. If you want to be forgiven by God, you better choose to forgive as well. How many of you know that when it comes to forgiveness, it's not about an emotion? You, you will never feel like forgiving somebody. When they do you wrong, give me a high five. Thank you. Um, were you saying that you agreed with me or did you have a question? You go, girl. So when it comes to forgiveness... You're never going to feel like, oh, yes, I just want to forgive that person. He's such an idiot, and I just want to bless his heart. No, you're not going to. You don't want, you won't have these fuzzy, warm feelings saying, I want to forgive them. But you have to choose to forgive that person. It could be a parent. It could be a leader. It could be your small group leader. It could be the preacher. Who knows? But they, they step on your toes. They, they hurt your feelings. Someone does you wrong, and, and maybe you've been the victim here, but you have to choose to forgive. Say, I'm going to choose. That's right, because you're not going to feel like it, but you're going to choose to forgive. And Paul says, I choose to forgive this guy. If you forgive him, I choose to forgive him as well. Why? Because I'm not stupid. He says, I'm not dumb. We're not idiots here. We're not unaware of the devil's game, of his strategies, his tactics. We know how he plays. He's been playing the same old tricks for millennia already. And what worked 3,000 years ago continues to work today and even better. It's crazy how that works. Are you with me here? I'm preaching to this side. We got the Burnettes on that side. I'm coming to the blonde section right over here. Am I preaching to somebody over here? Yeah. Amen. Thank you very much. <laughs> so Paul's talking here, and he says, I choose to forgive. Why? Because I'm not going to give the enemy the upper hand. So four things that I will not give the enemy. Here's number one. I will not give him any advantage, period. I'm not going to give him a, a, a handicap, a break. For those of you who play golf or whatever, it's like, what's your handicap? You know, what's your advantage? If you, if, you, if you tend to play golf and it's like you typically hit about three or four or five, seven, eight shots above par on every hole, that means you're really bad. <laughs> uh, but you don't give the opponent the upper hand. When it comes to the enemy, some of you guys, you like to put up a good fight, but your hands are behind your back. Why are you doing that? It's like you got the Holy Ghost living inside of you. I got the power. Burn. You got the power, and yet you're kind of like putting up a fight like this. Come on, give me a better shot. That's not going to work. 
The enemy can, look, Jesus defeated the devil on the cross a couple thousand years ago, but the brother can still swing. The Bible refers to him as a roaring lion. So it's not like he's just like a little, little pet somewhere, like, oh, what a nice little pet. No, the devil, he's your enemy. He is a threat, and you're not coming here to just play patty cakes with him. Amen? You're here to put up a good fight, so don't give him the upper hand. Don't give him the edge. Anybody enjoy playing some, some beach volleyball here? Anybody? All three of you? That's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> Become a Harvest Church intern. We'll play uh, beach volleyball in Tahoe together, and that'll be fun. But I used to play volleyball, and sometimes the, the teams, like, some, sometimes it's like, man, we're not evenly matched over here. So, so you know, I just put it this way. Last intern retreat up in Tahoe, we had a couple of us that were playing, and, uh, and it was kind of fun, Christy, right? And, um, and all of a sudden, it's like one team was just dominating. And uh, one team was just up there just winning every game. And, uh, and uh, I'm not going to mention names, but there was one team that was really good. <laughs> and, uh, and so what happened is the other interns started wanting to and we were playing like two on two. And, uh, and pretty soon the other team had three players, and it was three on two just to kind of even things up. And pretty soon it was four on two just to kind of like balance things out. Just a pretty soon it was five on two, and it still wasn't really even close. <laughs> and uh, uh, so one of the things that we used to do when we were younger in playing games like this, if, if things weren't evenly spread, what we would do is one of the fields, we would actually bring in the little rope, the, the line of demarcation, the, the line that says that's out over there and it's in over here. We'd actually bring them in a little bit and we would reduce the size of the, uh, of the court or the pitch or the field or whatever you want to call it. And then we'd continue to play. So why so as to level things out just a little bit? It's funny how oftentimes I look at young people, and many of you in this room tonight, where you got the call of God in your life, there is an anointing available, there is gifting, there is strategy, there's all these different things at your disposal, and yet you're choosing to open up the field and allow the enemy to have the upper hand. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you try to level out the playing field? Why would you do that? When it comes to the devil, you got to choose. I will never give him any advantage whatsoever. You might say, this area of my life is fully submitted to God. Then why are you surrendering this other area to God? What are you thinking? When it comes to the devil, you have to choose. I'm not going to give him an inch. And you, you know the saying, you give him an inch and he'll take a... Yeah, why, why even bargain? bargain? Why negotiate? Why give him, all right, devil, you can't come into the house, but you can have the little cottage in the backyard. Heck no. Not on your property. Not in your life. Don't give him the upper hand in anything whatsoever. Don't cut any deals with him at all. And, and, and people are like, that's right, preach it, preach it, you know. But look at me. You're taking notes and you're saying amen, but what are you doing? Look at your own life a little bit. Ask the Holy Spirit, are there any areas in your life that you're kind of allowing the enemy to just kind of have the upper hand? Think about it. That word right there, outsmart or outwit, means in the Greek to give the advantage to someone else. So in this fight against the enemy, why would you give him the advantage? We're not going to do that at all. So we got to understand the enemy's tactics. Jim was, Jim was seen earlier tonight and Referring to John 10, 10, it says that Jesus, he comes to give us life. But there's a thief, though, and the thief comes to do three things. Come on, somebody. He comes to do what? Steal, kill. We're not talking about, you know, baseball, steal second base. No, he comes to steal because he wants to rip you off. He wants to steal the blessings of God from you. He wants to steal your joy. 
Some of you guys have no peace in your life. Why? Because you've opened some doors and you've allowed the enemy to steal your peace. Look, you got, listen, I'm, I'm going to preach to you because you've got call, you've got purpose, you've got anointing, you've got a future, you've got all these different things and you're lacking peace. You can't even enjoy life. Have you ever been to like an event, a party, an outing where, where it's supposed to be fun and everyone's supposed to be having fun, but you're there and it should be fun and you're not having fun at all? Someone just really irked you either the day before or on your way there or they're just standing right in front of you, but someone just really ticked you off. So you're all there. Everyone else is having fun, but you. And she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that ever happen to anybody else? See, the enemy wants to sabotage. He wants you to say, okay, I can't steal your blessings from you, but I'm just going to ruin just a little bit. And then all of a sudden, there's no more peace. There's no more joy. You have the blessings, but it's like, ah, what good is it? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and the devil, see, he's been patient. He, he, plays for, he plays for keeps, so he'll take his time. He's not going to be in a hurry to just shipwreck your life right now. Oh, my God! I lost my friends! Like, do that to wake some people up. Just, you know, that's old youth pastor techniques. Anyways, um, it's like, honey, listen, I know junior high is tough, but this is not the rest of your life. You will meet someone else someday. Keep coming to church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. <laughs> but the devil wants to come and steal your joy, steal your momentum, steal your passion. And uh, why, why allow him to? Why give him the upper hand? Let me keep moving on here. Uh -huh. If you're taking notes, maybe throw this one down. Don't fight with your hands behind your back. I could throw another bonus one. Don't fight with your pants down. That'd be a little strange. <laughs> All right, I'll give you another don't. Don't fight fair. Don't, don't fight fair. Because when it comes to the devil, when it comes to the enemy, anything that opposes the will of God, you don't want to just have a fair fight. You want to have the upper hand. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So if greater is he that is in you is truly operating in your life, it's always, you're always going to have the upper hand because he's greater. But if you kind of like squeeze him out of the way, you know, I was watching the team practice, the little creation skit, you know, you got the little Hawaiian girl and she gets up, you know, and they got the little music going and the hell I could do it and and uh, all of a sudden you got God and Jesus. It's the binity because we didn't have a Holy Spirit to be the Trinity. So we have the binity, God and Jesus creating the world. And four people understood that joke. The Bible says that God is three in one, but we only had two characters to play God. And so we had a binity, not a Trinity. Binity, oh, whatever. Moving on, tough crowd. So, so, so the Hawaiian person is created, and then God just gives him a little hip, little bam, you know, and, and then she's like, oh, oh, this little Hawaiian dance thing. And then the other part of God, that's Jesus, I think, bam, hits her back, gives a little. Well, some of you guys are pretty good with the little hip bump, you know what I'm saying? You come to youth group, and you make room for Jesus. <laughs> Hi, Jesus. And you sing the songs, and you amen the preacher. You might even drop a few bucks in the offering. Tonight was pretty late. And all of a sudden... <laughs> And then it's time to, you, to, to, to leave my church, and it's kind of like, that was great. Bless you, Brother Jim, and bang, you give Jesus the hip. And Jesus is like, hey, what are you doing? And you take over the steering wheel again. Before Carrie Underwood talked about taking the steering wheel, some of you took the steering wheel first, and you kicked Jesus out of the car. You know what I'm saying? And then, but, but hey, it's time to come back to church. Hi! 
<laughs> All the new people are like, that dude is really weird. Uh, and they pay me good money for that too. It's crazy. <laughs> Four things that I, I always refuse to give the enemy. Number one, I will never give him the advantage. If you're going to do warfare against the enemy, you have to come with a greater power than your own. You can't just rebuke him out of your own strength. Don't you understand? I am Gabby. <laughs> just pick on you. I'll pick on someone. Like Miss Terry would say, I am Justin Rotard. <laughs> you, don't, you don't come against the enemy in your name or in the name of your youth group or church. There's a greater authority, a greater force that you have to come in. So the second thing that I will never give the enemy is I will never give him permission. Again, with my sister back in the day, I had a sign on my door, do not enter. And then in bold letters, Leanne, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was like my safe haven right there. That's my place. And uh, bless you. And uh, <laughs> so that was my room. But, but some of us, we, we, we like bargain with the enemy and we give him permission to kind of like torment us just a little bit. You're like, how do I? No, I don't do that. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. How dare you say that I do? Yeah. Did you watch Friends with Privileges or Benefits? What's the name of the movie? If you watch Friends with Privileges, that's an amazing movie. Never heard of it. But, but what about the Friends with Benefits? Is that a movie? Dude, I'm in line with my boy yesterday to watch Transformers. A, a dad and a mom come in with kids to watch that movie right in front of me. And I'm, I'm like, dude, I'm in San Francisco. These people need some Jesus in here because it's like they are bringing their kids in to watch a movie, come on, somebody, somebody needs to go tell them about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? How dare you? What are you doing? And, but anyways, don't give the enemy permission. You watch some horror flicks. You watch some, some scary movies here and there, and then you're wondering why you're being tormented. You give them permission, and you pay 10 bucks, not including the popcorn. Oh, oh, oh you want more? I'll give you some more examples. You got girls in the room like, just nobody loves me. None of the guys care about me. Some of the guys can relate to this too, referring to the girls, of course. <laughs> kind of, what, what, kind of, what kind of music are you listening to? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being real. What, what, what kind of music are you listening to? All of a sudden you start listening to the soft music, jazz. And, and all of a sudden your heart, it's like, listen. Why toy with your emotions that way, all right? You shall get through puberty. You will get to the other side. All right? Hang in there. <laughs> uh, but you're giving the enemy room to come and torment you. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Or, or, or here's another one. Here's another one. No one trusts me. Yeah, stop gossiping and maybe they will. Can, can I just kind of like, I don't even know you. What's your name again? Lizette, I'm not going to scare you. Like, oh, my God. Ah! No, I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you. But just because we haven't met yet, so I'm just I'm going to tell you a secret. Okay, so here's the deal. If anyone ever comes to you and says, oh, my gosh, did you hear about so-and-so? Uh -uh. I'll just tell you, but just keep it between the two of us, okay? Can I just tell you, people who divulge their secrets about others to you, because we're just like BFF. <laughs> if they divulge their secrets about others to you, Get in line because they're going to be sharing your secrets with others. If someone else is coming and spilling the beans and sharing secrets and private information with you, that's called gossip. 
And you might think you're special because you are, but only for those few moments because later when they're with the next friend, they're going to be talking about you. Is that a good tip? High five because that was a good one right there. You want to you wanna give the enemy permission? Fall into some of these traps, and I could go down the list of all these crazy things, but that's, you guys are pretty smart. You're brilliant in here. That's just, that's, just, that's just the reality. Don't give him any permission to torment you. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. You know, there, there's a saying, you can write this down. It says, the devil has no more power than God gives him permission. You have to kind of chew on that for a little bit. The devil has no more power than what God, it's kind of like a leash. He can only run to the extent of the leash that God has allowed him to run with. There's a dude by the name of Job, I mean Job. That was a prophetic word for some of you in the room. (laughs) God spoke to me. (laughs) There's a dude in the Old Testament by the name of Job. And and it's kind of a fascinating story because God is talking and somehow Lucifer, the devil, Satan, the silly dragon, he's having this conversation with God Almighty and and, and he's kind of like challenging God and says, well, they only love you because you're nice to them. They only serve you because you take good care of them. And then God says, really? You're dumb. <laughs> Have you considered my servant Job yet? And, and, and he's like, yeah, of course. But, you know, he's blessed. So no wonder he's going to serve you and follow you and worship you and give tithes to you and be so nice to you because he's got the blessings and the bling, of course. And God says, all right, I'll tell you what. We'll do a little experiment. And uh, it's a little show and tell. Do whatever you want. You just can't kill him. Really? (laughs) And the devil gets excited, and he comes, dude. And if you read the story, and God allowed the devil to come and test Job, but he couldn't kill him. See, whatever happens in your life, the devil's on a leash. God isn't going to, the Bible even talks about it. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God will not test you beyond what you can bear. He's not going to allow you to go through something that will break you. A lot of things that God uh, allows to happen in our lives bring us to the brink of being broken, but then God bails us out. God, God will bring you to your end, but he won't push you over the edge. Listen, are you with me here? God will bring you to that point where you're like, oh, God, unless you bail me out, I'm in trouble. And then God says, cool, I'll do it. God won't test you beyond what you can bear. And when it came to Job, God allowed the enemy to go a little further in that leash but even that was under permission. When it comes to your life, if God didn't give him permission, don't you dare give the, 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 the enemy permission to come and torment you. Why would you do that? Are you with me so far? God's not doing that to you. Oh my God! <laughs> Horrible things happen and it's God's fault. No, it's not God's fault. Calamity comes, tragedies, and they, the world says it's an act of God. No, it's actually not. We, lived in a cur- we live in a cursed world. Bad things will happen. It says that it rains. The Bible says it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Bad things can happen with good and bad people. It just happens. It's just the world that we live in. But everything happens by permission. If God doesn't give the enemy permission, don't you dare give him permission either. You with me? The third thing that I refuse to give the enemy, I won't give him any opportunities. And all of these kind of tie in together if you kind of notice the trend. Don't give him the advantage. Don't give him permission. And don't give him any opportunity whatsoever period period genesis 4 7 it says if you do what is right and this is god talking to cain who in the bible killed cain again who did abel kill cain think about it is that your final answer there's cain and abel who killed cain 
Trick question. <laughs> Youth ministry, I love it. <laughs> Set you up. We don't know who killed Cain, but Cain killed Abel. All right. Anyway, so God's talking to Cain because he's got some insight. Brother's mad at his, his own brother, and he's about ready to kill him. So here's God talking to Cain, like Dr. Phil, but this is God talking to him. So what are you doing? You know, and he says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it. The enemy is always crouching at the door of your life. I'm not talking about the door of your room. I'm talking about the door of your heart, the door of your life. The enemy is always crouching just on the other side, and he's looking for just a quick, sudden little opening, and if the door opens, he's there. How, do, how, how does that happen? Look, I'm, you know, we'll save the sex talk for another event. I'll let Pastor Sean work with that. But you know what? All it takes is a little click of the mouse. Nowadays, we got phones and smartphones and uh, all kinds of access to all kinds of portals to hell. You, you, you want to find yourself in bondage? Open the door just a little bit and watch what happens. Just saying. <laughs> Before Honda had the commercial that said, opportunity is knocking, sin is the opportunity knocking on the door of your heart. And if you open, it does come in. Just saying. 1 Peter 5.8. 1 Peter 5.8 in the NLT, it says, Stay stinking added alert. The stinking part is just JJ version translation. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stay alert. Be vigilant at all times. Be smart. The devil, look at this. The devil is looking for those. And, and I love the scripture because it says he look, he's looking for those whom he may devour. Another version says that, that means that he's got permission to torment some people. But when it comes to some other people, he can't touch that. <laughs> Jim, guess what song I was listening to at Subway today? I was listening to, to old school brother. Yeah, I talked about don't touch this. You might, you, might, you might get a clue here because I was having some pulled pork Subway sandwich with pickles and onions. Oof. Oof. With some strawberry Fanta soda. Oof. Man, that was good. But for some reason, they were playing oldies from like the late 80s, early 90s. Don't touch this. Can't touch this. And I'm just like... Yeah, I'm going to youth service tonight, and they're playing youth songs from back in the day. Grandpa MC Hammer, you know what I'm saying? Some parachute pants, and like, yeah. Back, see, back in the day, back in my youth days, dude, you go out with some MC Hammer pants, you could ha hide half of your small group in there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Big old giant pants, it was crazy. <laughs> The Bible here, it says that the devil, he's like a lion, and he's looking to devour those whom he may, but then there are some that he can't touch. There's some that he can't even access the front gate of their front yard. Why? Because they're, they're a special group. They're a select group. There are people that, that, that are marked as belonging to, to a different system, a different world. When you become a born-again Christian, you translate into a new kingdom. Now there's a new king that's in charge of your life, and that king is very protective of his property. And so there's a select, there, there, there's a remnant by which the enemy can't touch unless, of course, you give him 
the opportunity by opening the front gate to the front yard to the house. So there's, a, there, there's an enemy. He's a, he's a lion looking to devour whom, those, uh, for those who he may. And then just write this thought down. Decide or choose today that you're not going to give him any opportunity at all. Some of you guys relationally, man, you're open game right now. <laughs> Talking about relationships, emotions, heart issues. Don't give the enemy any kind of opportunity. I'm not speaking that a relationship is wrong, but maybe the timing isn't right. Guard your heart. Hear the voice of the Lord because God's will in the wrong time is still an enemy of your destiny. Someone's going to tweet that because that was good. God's will at, God's, at the wrong time is still your enemy. Moving on, James 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and then he will flee or run away from you. The only way that the enemy is going to run away from you is not that you say, go away, bad dragon. We're at the Chinese restaurant the other day, hanging out with Pastor Lamia. Someone's like, what? There's always dragons in Chinese restaurants. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe not. Maybe it's just me. But we go to this place that we love, and we get there, and my little boy who's turning two on this next Monday, Ethan is turning two. Every time we go to this one place, he knows where, like, the masks are. There's, like, these two scary-looking masks. I had never noticed them. I've been going there for over 15 years. And then all of a sudden, he's looking at this thing. He's like, mm, a few months back. Every time we go there, he always finds these two masks that are in the corner of the room, just kind of nonchalantly hanging out, <laughs> hanging on the wall and over there. And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, we get there this last Sunday, and we're hanging out. And he's looking at these things, and he's got this mean look. He's no longer afraid, but he's just looking and staring them down. Big old curly hair. <laughs> and I'm looking at him. I'm looking at the mask. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, Ethan, are you scared of those? He can barely, he can barely talk. And I go, Ethan, just say, go away in Jesus' name. Go away. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Teaching my boy how to put up a good fight. You know what I'm saying? And, dude, he didn't start. This Sunday was the first time that he didn't cry. He's, he's growing, and pretty soon he's looking at those things. I guarantee you when he gets older, one of these days, all the Chinese uh, servers are going to be up front. He's going to go back to, whoop, whoop, you know, Jackie Chan style, and he's going to steal those masks and crush them. <laughs> the, the way that the enemy, the way that you're going to overcome the enemy is not because you got ninja status skills, but it's because you're submitted to someone that's bigger than you. The way you resist the devil is by submitting yourselves to God. It says, submit yourselves to God, resist the de devil, and then he will flee from you. Some of you guys are, are submitting yourselves to the devil, resisting God, and God's not, run, not running from you, but you're running from God. <laughs> we got to submit ourselves to God and then resist the devil, and then that's how you overcome. So don't give him any, any um, opportunity whatsoever. And then the last thing, the fourth, final thought, what I will never, ever give the enemy. Comes from a game that I used to play. Guess the word that I'm thinking. Gabby's like, oh my gosh. Guess the word that I'm thinking. And then the first question that would come back to me would be, is it a people, person, or thing? And then I would say, I'm thinking of a person. Does her name start with E? Yes. Or whatever. So when it comes to your life, the last thing, I, I, I know it's cheesy and stuff, but I will never, ever give the enemy any of my place, meaning the places of influence, whether it's my school, my home, my friends, my peers, any place, person, or thing. 
I won't allow my friends, those that are under my influence, I'm not going to allow the enemy to shipwreck their life. I'm taking ownership. As for me and my homeboys, as for me and my friends, we're going to serve the Lord, and I'm taking responsibility. I'm taking responsibility. Guess what? I don't know. Some of you guys have been around for a while. You may have heard these stories. When I was a teenager, there was a group of five, the Fab Five. Before Michigan had the Fab Five, there was us. And, uh, and there was five of us, and we were close. We were tight. Every Sunday, we'd hang out after church. We'd go and chill together. We'd go, and we were like best friends, all of us. And we hung out. And we go through some of these crazy teenage years, and we're part of a small group together. We did camps together, all kinds of fun activities. But there was a season where we kind of like, maybe we should kind of, what what's with all the, the worldly stuff out there? And we, we kind of started kind of messing around with the world a little bit, but not a whole lot. We didn't fully rebel against the things of God, but we kind of experimented with a little stuff. Oh, is that cigarettes? Is that alcohol? So we tried a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, uh, but whew, we're safe because we didn't fully backslide. And of us five, man, we were kind of like going to youth group one night and like the next night, hey, what's up? We're evangelizing to some friends, but hey, let's go back to church and we're playing the game of one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom, back one foot in the world. By the way, if you date somebody out of the kingdom, you're still one foot in the world. That's not evangelism, one foot in the kingdom, back and forth, back and forth. And, and in this little game of like dodgeball where we're like playing chicken with the enemy, back in church. In this game, the five of us playing one day, one evening, one weekend in the world and back to church again. That was a close one. Almost almost did the boo-boo there, but I'm back in church and back on the worship team. Out of the five, three of us survived, two didn't. And guess who was the leader of the pack? Guess who was the player who was like, Bro, I got a friend from school that's inviting us to a party. Our small group from church, let's go check it out. And then, oh, three of us make it back, but two backslide eventually. Man, talk about eating you up. So I've shared this story before if you've been part of youth, our youth ministry in years past. Years past. And uh, so I began to pray for those that, that had kind of lost their focus. And they, they, they backslid. And you guys got to meet one of my friend's like a year or two ago, he came and actually spoke at XG when we were at El Dorado, big, tall dude, Pastor Tom. That was like my homeboy back in the day. He came back. He's a pastor now, like, nice. And there's another friend of mine that's hanging out at Pastor Skip and Debbie's church. That's Justin's parents. <clears throat> two of the guys, though, they're not serving Jesus. I've been praying for them. Last time I was in Brazil, I got to hang out with some of them. I think all of us got back together for lunch. We're hanging out, and it's kind of awkward <clears throat> 20-something years later, I got my, my friends, and I'm looking at them, and it's like, they're just, they're just dead. We used to be a part of the same youth ministry, the same launch camps. We just had a different name, the same services, different songs. Yet three of us are serving Jesus, two aren't. And for years, I was praying for them. Just not too long ago, I got a, I got a Facebook message. One of them says, hey, uh, the girl that I've been living with for the last 14 years, you know, we got to we got a kid, you know, and he's a teenager, and I don't know, man, but I just kind of, it's kind of feel like I'm not being a great example to my son, and uh, I think I want to get things right. And I'm reading, it's like my eyes are watering up, like, what? It's just like, it's kind of like, you know, now he no longer is living for himself. I look at his pictures, like, dang, dude. But he's wanting to live for, for not only himself, but he wants to be an example to his own kid, and he goes, 
so I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to get back to church, and, and I, I think it would be really cool if, if I actually married, married my girlfriend again. He's got a child, and they've been living together forever. And he said, and, and so I was talking to her, and she's down for that. And uh, I have a crazy question, though. I, I know you've been like a pastor for a long time, but you'll, you've also been my best friend. Would you marry us? I'm like, no, heck no, I'm already married. What are you talking about, crazy? No, I just can't. And, uh, so he's like, no, seriously, I'm getting married next year. I'm going down next year. I'm going to officiate the, the wedding service. And, uh, and, but more than that, I'm believing that that's my end to help point the guy back, my friend. Why? Because out of five, my hope is not one of the five will end up in hell because of my poor testimony. As for my people, my places, my things, I, before there was a Verizon ruling the air, I want to rule my air. I want to rule my atmosphere. I want to take dominion over the things that are under my influence. The friends that I have, the friendships that I have, I want to take ownership and say, you know what? I don't want to just fit in and be cool, but I want to be an example. I want to be alive because someday I'm going to have to stand before God and give account. I'm preaching to some people here tonight. I'm preaching to somebody. When it comes to the enemy, I'm not going to give any place, person, or thing nothing nothing even things it's like if god's blessed me then you know what it's blessed i'm not going to allow compromise to come and curse that thing whatever it is allow it to be blessed but don't give the enemy any opportunity whatsoever to come and corrupt anything are you with me so far i need another high five just to to help me land this plane because we got about three minutes and we're going to be done so lately i've been kind of in this teacher mode because i'm preparing a bunch of sermons to preach this summer so, so if I'm being a bit of a teacher, kind of scholastic with a lot of points, just hang with me here. For those of you who are interested, I'm going to give you some final thoughts. Somebody's tweeting me, knock it off. And uh, um, I'm going to give you, just taking the fight to the enemy, write this thought down. When resisting the devil, you've got to put some fight into it. How do you do it? I'm going to give you three thoughts, and we're going to be done. How do we put up a fight? How do we do it? So we're, we're, there's four things that we're never going to give the enemy, but then there's three things. Number one, you got to learn how to rob the thief. Before he comes and robs you, you got to rob him first. Huh. When we used to play capture the flag, anybody enjoy some capture the flag action? Dude, I hated playing defense. Neener, neener, neener. It's like, forget the neener, neener, dude. I'm coming to go steal a flag. I've, I've been created to take over, to conquer, to capture a flag, and to, to bring glory to my king. That's my destiny. I'm not here to play defense like nobody's coming through this place. I'm on, I'm on the offense. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to the devil, I'm here to break the bank. I'm here to break his bank, not mine. I'm here to, you know, to storm hell's gates. That's my destiny. That's my portion. And I, I'd love to recruit some of you to be a part of that team. How many of you guys want to be a part of the defense team? Good for you. You're paying attention. How many of you want to be a part of the offense team? Come on, somebody. All seven of you. Seventy. Thank you very much. Learn to rob the thief before he comes and robs you. Be on the aggressive side. Be on the proactive side. Be on the front lines. Letter A, strip him of any advantage that he might have on you. Permission, opportunities, anything. Something that would be a vulnerability for you, strip him of that by taking over first. If you know that there's an area of vulnerability in your life, be in that small group and just call it as it is. I have a weakness in this area. 
small group leader, I have a tendency, there would be left to myself a propensity for me to go down this route and fall into some traps. But you know what? I'm not going to do it. That's why I'm just saying, I can't trust myself. So I need God to help me and I need you to stand with me. And all of a sudden, you just kind of like, you shorten the field in that little volleyball two by two. All of a sudden, instead of you enlarging the field where the enemy has more access to drop the ball and, and destroy your life, all of a sudden you're reducing it. You're shrinking. There's less area for him to come and torment because you've been open. You've been real. You're cutting the corners, taking the advantage and taking over rather than giving him the upper hand. Are you understanding the analogy just, just a little bit here? You got to, well, in volleyball terms, you got to cut off the angles. When it comes to two-on-two volleyball, it's all about positioning. It's all about angles. You don't have to be a great spiker and a great ball handler and whatnot. You just got to understand position. That's all. So, so learn how to rob the thief, number two. When things are happening, you feel like the enemy is attacking you. Have you ever had like a really bad hellish day ever? When you feel like the devil's just against you and all the demons from hell are with him and he's just opposing you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You've ever had one of those days? I'm not talking about your mom here. I'm talking about the devil. And uh, if the enemy is out to like persecute you and bombard you and all these different things, so you had a bad day. You had a really tough, tough day. And you feel like the enemy is just wanting to oppose you. Just take the compliment and say, thank you very much. Receive the compliment. Embrace the compliment. And understand that you're on track. Because if you're never persecuted, if you never have opposition, if you never have any kind of resistance in your life, guess what? You are one lame son of a gun. <laughs> you're one lame Christian. If you never have opposition in your life, that means that you're not a threat. The enemy ain't worried about you because like, that's just a nominal Christian. Go to camp, go to youth ministry, do whatever, but not a threat here. Don't worry. Let's not torment that person because they're actually playing for us. But when opposition does come your way and you feel like things are against you and there's resistance, as long as you're submitted to the Lord and it's not rebellion that you're bringing on yourself, look, if you start being rebellious, yeah, you're going to have opposition. But if you're fully submitted to God and you've got resistance coming against you, take it as a compliment. You know what? I must be doing something right. I must be on track because the enemy wants to slow me down. He fears something. Listen, the enemy indeed fears the Jesus inside of you. There are some of you guys, Michael, that the enemy fears. He, he fears the call. He fears the anointing. He's seen David 5,000 years ago. He sees another David in this generation, Mikey. Listen, the enemy fears the anointing and the call of God on people's lives. And in your life, he's going to try to oppose you and resist you. I look at different ones of you in this room. The call of God is so evident, so obvious. Distractions want to come. Avoid it. Avoid the pitfalls. Resistance comes. Understand. Don't fall for it. Overcome it. So enjoy the compliment. You're on track. And you'll get to the other side. Jesus was hanging out with his disciples. He says, you know what? Let's go to the other side of the lake. They get on a boat. I'm on a boat. And they're on a boat and a storm comes. Out in the middle of nowhere, a storm comes. <laughs> Are you okay? They just sneeze. No, okay, just bless you. <laughs> like, we have a, a PG version. I'm on a boat, melon head. That's a different version that Shanna could sing. Jesus says, let's go to the other side. They're in a boat, and out of, out of nowhere, in the middle of the night, a storm comes. Listen, before you can get to the other side, there's going to be storms that are going to come. But if Jesus said we're going to the other side, you're going to get to the other side. Trust me. You're going to get there. So there's a tomorrow. Don't worry. So if you're never persecuted, understand that you're not a threat. And uh, if you're never resisted, understand that you're not growing up. 
If you're not being resisted, if your character is not resisted, if life isn't being resisted, you're not growing up. You grow when there's resistance. Now, I don't like to be resisted all the time. But when it's happening, I'm like, okay, God, thank you because I know I'm going to be a better person. Just hurry up, you know. Number three, the last thought, we're going to be done. Number two was enjoy the compliment. Number three, always bank on truth. You can't bank on facts, but you bank on truth. You can't count on opinions or facts, but you bank on truth. It says, you know, I wrote this thought down, the devil flashes facts, but you present the truth to him. He'll come and he'll present the facts to you. This is what's happened. This is what's going on. But that doesn't mean that it's the truth. You turn around and say, but wait a minute. This is what the word of God says. This is what the, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about. Yeah, the odds are against me right now. And this is the reality of my little world right now. But the truth is this. Greater is he that is in me. And you present the truth to him. And the last thought in the verse there says, and know the truth, the truth sets you free. The last thought is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Before there's a great running back, there's a fullback that sets the pace. Jesus is that, that fullback that just kind of carves the opening for us. Right, Garrett? And then we can run right behind him. We can get to the other side. Jim, come to the keyboard. We're going to wrap this time up because we're going to pray. And I want to pray for, for some folks tonight that just need to, uh, you, you just need to get on your feet. And let's stand for a few. But some of you guys, you've been beat down. The enemy wants to come and keep you down. But tonight, I believe that God wants to come and encourage you. Amen. God wants to be uh, your champion in your life. He doesn't want you to be a loser. He wants, you, he wants you to be an overcomer. You don't have to just get by and coast through life. You can be more than an overcomer with him. So what we're going to do is I want you to just kind of just ponder for a few seconds as Jim begins to, to minister with some music here. I want you to just think about your own life right now. How are you doing? The Bible says that even the youth, they grow tired and they faint, but strength comes to those who wait upon the Lord. Maybe, maybe you love God with all of your heart, but you feel just a little de uh, depleted, if you will, of, uh, of the Holy Ghost energy, if you will, in your life. Maybe you feel a little distraught or maybe discouraged or maybe a little tired. I believe that tonight God wants to come and just fill you and charge you up again. Am I preaching to anybody tonight here? People are just, look, this, is, ain't, no, this ain't no evangelical Baptist service, amen? This is Pentecostal style. You can amen the preacher here tonight. Everyone's so polite. Mm -hmm. The old man is preaching. Knock it off. Shut up. <laughs> Everyone's so respectful. I love it. It's like, nice. Mm -hmm. That's great. But, but now, now you get to respond, though, <laughs> because if you're like me, there, there, there are some days that are really good days, and there are days that aren't so good. There are some days that I feel like I'm, uh, I'm an overcomer, but then there's some days that I don't feel like I am, and I'm the darn preacher, pastor, leader guy. If it happens to me, I know it happens to you. Dude, it's not that, that, that like, sad in here. Let's, that's better. Oh, ow! <laughs> See, if, if Jesus was still dead and buried, then that'd be a really sad story. He ain't dead. He's alive. He wants you to be alive. So raise your hands to heaven with me. I want to pray over you right now. Some of you guys, I love you. You're so innocent. You have no idea what's going on, but I'm going to pray over you anyways. And whether you understand this or not, whether you believe it or not, I still believe in the power of impartation. There's an anointing that's going to be released. Raise your hand like you're going to receive a gift, not like you're going to, you know, come on, like you gotta, you're ready to receive a big old impartation. There you go. That's better. Follow to here as example. 
by the way, let it be according to your faith, too. In the name of Jesus, Father, tonight I thank you that you are the lifter of our head. God, I thank you that you are a mighty warrior indeed and that you go before us and you make a way even where there seems to be no way. Father, even as I stand tonight in this room on 2261 Commerce Avenue, Concord, California, 94520, God, I know that you have set your radars, you've set your focus on a group of young men and women in this room who are hungry for you, and they're not satisfied with just ordinary, average lifestyles. Uh, God, they want to live for you, and they want to experience life more abundantly. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the enemy of discouragement. I rebuke the enemy of downcast. I rebuke the enemy of depression. I rebuke the enemy of defeat. And I speak over these young men and women of God, the prophetic destiny, the purposes of God for them. God, I pray that even tonight that there would be an impartation of great faith, great courage. God, you are for us and you're not against us. Father, I pray that you would fill us to overflow, that you would charge our batteries with the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that we would not give an inch to the enemy, that we would not compromise, that we would not settle with the things of the devil, but, Father, we would overcome. Father, we thank you that if our God is for us, who can be against us? God, make a way for us. Make a way for us, I pray. Make a way for these young people tonight. Open doors of opportunities for them. Where there's been hell, where there's been turmoil, God, I pray for your peace to come and to rescue. Lord, I thank you that you are a refuge. Father, I speak stillness to the storms that will try to overwhelm. Even now, in the name of Jesus, we silence the voices of discouragement and we speak the goodness of God. Father, let there be a fresh impartation of you tonight in every heart, every mind. Father, let the blessings of the Lord be upon each one of these tonight, I pray. In your name.